You're listening to the Crossroads Grace Podcast, a podcast of Crossroads Grace Community Church. To learn more about our gathering times and ways you can get involved, check out our website at crossroadsgrace.org. we kind of come out of this whole like COVID-19 craziness and everything. I don't know if you've noticed this kind of phenomenon that's happening, but there's a staggering thing happening. People have stopped working. Yeah, just we're done. Yeah, we are no longer going to work. Um, it, it, it seems bizarre, but every business that you look at, I mean, they are just trying to figure out how to just make it work. I mean, some businesses are forced to change all the offerings that they can do. I know of a, a local restaurant here in town that can't offer like a breakfast service because they just don't have enough employees to make it happen. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And so uh, as we kind of come through this and start to think through it, we realize that it's not exclusive just to fast food industries, though. I mean, we see it everywhere. We see it in for teachers. We see it for substitutes. We see it for construction and hairstylists and vet techs. I mean, everywhere you look, People don't want to work. Um, however, this also seems to be kind of the result, I think, of a little bit of the government assistance thing happening, just kind of keeping people on the sidelines. But I also think that the, it's not just exclusive to the, to the outside world. There are a lot of help-wanted signs within the church. I mean, churches of every size, every denomination, every you name it, they are opening back up to their congregations. They're excited to be able to have people come back. They want to, they want to offer their full lineup of programs and the services and ministries that they have. And when they try to do that, they are met with the same workforce crisis that everybody else is. So the question that we all are asking every person in ministry is, where'd y'all go? Like, where are the volunteers at? You know, once thriving ministries, they're working on skeleton crew, crews to be able to just kind of make it through. And these once faithful servants that were there before, they're like no longer no longer there. And uh, I just want to just push pause just for a second and just tell you, man, if you are part of one of our tag teams here. Now, tag team stands for Together Advancing the Gospel. That's what we call our serving teams here. Uh, it's based off of my, my, the mission that we talk about, that we want you to go and do something with what God has told you to do. I say it every week. If you're part of one of those tag teams, y'all rock. Like, thank you so much for what you do. Give it up for them. Give it up online for them. Just love it. And, and let me just say this, that this isn't just like, uh, a church, there's another thing that's happened within church world. And, and, and I would say this also with, with, with Crossroads as well too. We're not off the hook on this. In a lot of cases, people took for granted the heart of what serving is all about. That, that really is. That we sacrificed the why you do what you do simply to be able to make sure that what we need to get done gets done. All right, that's just honest to goodness, okay? So, so when COVID hit, it kind of put everybody like on the bench, you know, like gave it like everybody like a, like a one year kind of time out. And like, no wonder once you're on the bench for a year, it's hard to jump back into that thing. You know, you're like, yeah, pretty good. You know, maybe your bench is a couch or a lazy boy. I'm not sure what your deal is, but, but, but in sports, uh, the timeouts are actually really crucial things. If you've ever played sports before, you know, timeouts, they're meant to, to catch your breath. You know, you're kind of like, all right, all right, you, you strategize, you get the board out, you, you change, maybe change the flow of the game a little bit. They're strategic, but timeouts are supposed to be short-lived. 
So depending on what sport you're in, there, there's different types of timeouts that you can have, you know. Uh, and, and so some of them, like a 30-second timeout, you see somebody do this, a 30-second, take 30 seconds. Some people want a full timeout. That's usually a minute-long timeout. But what COVID caused us to do is, man, we just sat down. We're like, this is a year. So we're like, ah, you know, just throw the towel and like we're done, you know. But once you call a timeout on serving and you sit back that long, Man, so no wonder that you're not eager to get back in the game. You're just used to something different. And, and I want us to remember this. I'll come back to it often. But, but think about this, that when we don't understand the deeper why, we will never be compelled to accomplish the greater what. And if you're a coach out there, you know that you have to instill in your team the why more than the what. If you are a business owner, whatever, you need to understand the why over the what. And, and I want you to think about that. Because okay? that's, that's just a, a church thing. That's a job thing. That's just a life thing. You, you need to understand the why you do what you do. Because if you don't, you will have no sense of commitment, no sense of passion or desire if you don't know the why. And, and while I can understand that maybe there's some fatigue out there, maybe some things that have happened that caused you maybe to kind of pu- pu- push time out, I, I understand that. I'll tell you, the reality is, though, is that God has never called us to live a life over there. Never called us to live a life on the sidelines. He has called us to live a life that actually modeled his son, Jesus Christ. In fact, would you listen to what Jesus says, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus says, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's Jesus. Jesus was not content to sit on the sidelines as a figurehead savior. No, 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 he got his hands dirty. In fact, he had his hands nailed and his feet nailed to show the extent that he would go to save us from our sins. So, so what that says to us all is that if we are followers of Jesus, and if you don't believe in Jesus here, not sure about this God thing, super glad that you're here. You just need to know this is something we believe, that as a follower of Jesus, he has called us to live our life and not to call a time out, but to call a time in in everything that we do. So that's what we're talking about. This is what our series is about, time in. God is saying it's time to say time in. I'm ready. It's time to call a time in and to use our talents to engage our next generation to go full force into the mission of Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, we need to understand the deeper godly why. So the goal of this series, this time in series, is to activate your spiritual serving muscles again for Jesus. Just to see the greater why and to start to see our lives as vital to the mission that Jesus has called us to. And I want us to think about Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. It's kind of the overarching scripture for the series. And Jesus says, you, that's you and you and you and you and you, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So when we call a time in, to use our gifts for God's glory, we are relighting the flame that God wants us to have so that we can show the world something different. And guys, it begins by getting off the bench and back in the game, okay? But first, we need to understand and look at the things that God has given us to work with. Uh, and so let's, let's consider and let's start to understand our talents, the gifts that God has given us today and why he wants us to use them for him. And to do that, we're going to be in a specific section of the Bible today, Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles with you, your Crossroads Grace apps, Matthew 25 is where we'll be at in just a second. Online, those chat hosts are going to put that link in there for you right now, Matthew 
25. But as you do that, let's just think about our talents for a moment. And as I thought about them, there's really two groupings that our talents can fall within. They can either be hidden talents or known talents. Now, known talents are usually ones that you have such a passion for that you use them as your occupation. So that's why people that are talented become teachers and musicians and carpenters and and farmers and coaches. Like, that's why you do what you do. You've got the talent. Sometimes you love using those any way you possibly can. Doesn't matter the the application, I'm going to use it. But then there are other times where you don't necessarily want to use them outside of your profession. Maybe you get a little burnt out from using them. You want to look for other things that you might be interested in, which then brings us to that second group, which is called hidden talents. And hidden talents are the talents that you, that, that kind of you discover throughout life. Maybe points, people point them out to you, but you don't necessarily initially see them. That's how I became a pastor. I've said this story before. I think it's important for you to know that I, when I was 14 years old, my youth pastor, Pastor Bob Cole, once came up to me and told me, he said, listen, I see you, I don't know why, I see you leading thousands of people to Jesus. And at that time, I had no desire, no desire to be a pastor. I was in that youth group because there were cute girls there. That's why I was there, okay? Just honest to goodness, okay? Want to be a doctor, want to play some professional baseball. I wanted a comfortable life. That's all I wanted. Little did I know that that this hidden talent that this youth pastor kind of poked out out of me all of a sudden became a, a desire for me to become a pastor, and that's where I'm a leader today, and that's why I lead people to Jesus today as I do, and and that's why I'm a pastor. So if you have a problem with me being a pastor, email Bob Cole. I'd be happy to give you his email. He would love to hear from you, okay? Right, but, but all, of, all of us have hidden talents that you might know a little bit about, but then maybe some of you just don't, maybe a lot of people don't know, and you have to have somebody bring it to your attention. And guys, this, these talents are more than just being able to know the cheat codes for Legend of Zelda, okay? These are bigger talents than that, okay? This might be things like you might interact really well with young adults, and you're able to connect with them and talk with them about their life. You could be someone that loves to cook and you can host people at your homes. You can make beautiful things and not make them sick. Like this is great talent you have. You might be great at photography. Maybe you're great at creating things with your hands. That's a, a hidden talent. You could be good at computers. God love you if you could do that. Like what in the world, right? right? That's a hidden talent. These are talents that you might have discovered or you kind of know about, but they're there. Nonetheless, those talents are there. But whether your talents are hidden or whether they're known, known, guess what? God wants us to use all of our abilities for him. For him. So let me explain this. And I'm going to use this by, I'm going to explain it by going to 1 Peter chapter 4. I want to read this, what Peter tells us, and I want you to consider it today. Peter says, each of you, that's you, 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 me, okay, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, in these two verses, Peter actually describes the why behind God's desire for us to use our talents for him. He shows us the why. In fact, he breaks it into four parts, which we'll talk about, which is the why God wants us to serve. Let's walk through these four. The first thing Peter says is, number one, he says, serve with whatever you have. Verse 10 would tell us this. It says, each of you should use whatever, right, whatever you got, whatever gift you have received. 
This means that we need to understand that there is no, nothing too small, nothing too great that can't be used for the kingdom of God. Perfect example in one of our tag teams is a, is a lady by the name of Lisa. Lisa is in charge of, is, is one of our tag team members for the lighting. She does all the lights that you kind of see on the weekend service. Now, Lisa would never have described herself as a techie person, but one day she says, I want to get involved. So she asked a staff member, how do I get involved? Where should I go? And we got her connected with our media team and got her plugged in there. Now, I want you to listen to what Lisa says about that decision. Lisa said this, I would have never tried to do something like this, but I'm so glad that I did. I get to experience God throughout the week. I have made new friends. I love being part of a bigger community serving here. I love that, right? Behind the scenes, didn't think she could do it, but she did it, right? She wants to do this. She wants to serve with whatever she has. How about number two? Number two is this, serve others. Serve others, again, verse 10 would tell us at the end of it, which says, get, use whatever gift you have received to serve others, to serve others. We need to see that by serving, we are humbly serving other people. It's so important. I want you to think about this, this phrase, right, that serving is never meant to be self-serving, but others serving. That's what Jesus did for, our, for us, and that's what we should do for other people. Again, I love stories of just in our own tag team members, a lady by the name of Frances. Frances is somebody that loves junior high students, and the way that she actually serves our junior high students is by sending out birthday cards every month to all of our junior high students. She uses her own cards, she uses her own stamps, the whole nine yards. She just comes back to the church for a new list when she's about ready to be done, and she just loves serving junior high students, but she likes to do it behind the scenes and not in an upfront way. She's been helping out students for years now just by sending out birthday cards. She just wants to serve other people. That's a way that she can do that. So it's a great way. Okay, now, number three. How about this? Number three is this. We serve to honor God. Serve to honor God. Verse 11 would say this. Would say, to him be the glory. To him be the glory. When we serve, we are to bring God glory. By pouring ourselves into the lives of other people, we actually are drawing people into the grace of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. And every talent we have can and should be used for God's glory. Everything that we do should be used for God's glory. Let me explain. So when you greet someone, when they come through the doors, you're not just shaking somebody's hand. You are giving them a glimpse of the love of Jesus who welcomes us all into his, in his grace and mercy. That's what you're doing. It means that when you hold a baby in the nursery, hello, love me some baby holding, right? You are holding an image bearer of God that will one day lead this world and might even lead people to Jesus. It means that when you're serving in our light team as a lighting engineer, you're not just pushing buttons, you are creating environments that reduce distractions and focus everyone's attention on God's word and God's message. That's what you're doing. So everything we do is there to serve and honor God, but then there is a fourth. The fourth is this. We serve through God's strength. Through God's strength. Verse 11 would say this. It would say, if anyone serves, they should do, do so with the strength that God provides. The strength that God provides. We serve through God's strength. Let me explain it this way. Um, now, we're getting that time of year where you start to buy presents for your kids or nieces or nephews or whatever it might be, you know, uh, or maybe for, uh, you know, an adult. It's fine, too. But if you ever bought something for someone and it wasn't the cheap, like, knockoff brand thing, you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's not Legos with three Gs. You know, it's like the real deal. You know, like, you get the real version. You spent the real money. It is, it is epic. 
but you give it to the person, you give it to the child, they open it up, they are so excited. Yes, I finally got it. But then they open it and they're like, ah, I can't use it. And then you look on the side of the box, what's it say? Batteries not included. Should say like from Satan is what it should say, right? You know, like, are you serious? You couldn't buck for three AAA batteries to put in that thing that I spent a week's worth of salary on? Are you nuts? And while I'm at it, okay, while I'm on this thing, why in the world do we still need things to run on D and C batteries? Am I right? Come on. We can launch a rocket to Mars now on a battery the size of a Tic Tac, but we need six double D batteries to run a mobile over a baby's crib? Is this for real? Is anybody with me at all on this? Okay, right. Okay. Clap for batteries. I hope you clap for Jesus later. But that's what I'm saying, okay? Here, here let, me, let me explain where we're getting at here, okay? Listen, listen to me, listen to me. God doesn't give you talents without batteries. He doesn't do it. He gives us all abilities, gives us all skills designed, onto, uh, designed to run on his strength that he gives us. That's how we serve and honor him. <laughs> this should blow your mind. This should blow your mind when you think about it, that the God of the universe has handcrafted abilities just for you, especially for you, and he's given you the power to use them, which, by the way, is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead at Easter, and he wants us to not be selfish with them, but to be selfless with them and help other people. That's what God did for you. And, and, and here's how you know if you're using it correctly. It's found, Paul would tell us in Colossians 3.17, he would say, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's when you know. It's the whole point. But when we see our gifts as ours to be used for our own benefit, we are missing the entire point of why God gave us those abilities in the first place. Again, remember where we started. Jesus tells us, Mark chapter 10, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's what he did. He came. So, we serve because Jesus served us. And so that means that these four things are that important, that we serve with whatever you have, we serve others, serve to honor God, serve through God's strength. Those four things, this is how and why we serve. But if you ever wonder what God thinks when we don't use our gifts for him in this way, when we don't use them, and we just use them the way that we see fit. Well, Jesus tells us a parable in Matthew chapter 25 where your thumb might be a little sore from keeping it there to tell us a little bit about this. And he starts in verse 14. I want to read that together today. Starting in verse 14, it says, Jesus says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. So what Jesus is about to do is to tell a parable. It's a story. It's a made-up story to tell a very important question, a massive truth in our lives. And here he sets the stage. And he says, there's a man, there's a master who's going away for a little bit. And while he's gone, he's going to leave some things in, charge, in, in the charge of his servants. He's going to, listen, he's going to give them something that wasn't theirs to begin with, but then he's going to entrust them to do something with it. And, and here's what he gave them, okay? Here's what he gave them, continue. It says, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and each according to his abilities. Then he went away. Now, if you're familiar with your Bible, 
okay, and you're starting to get theologically itchy and you want to send me an email here in just a second, take a deep breath for just a moment, okay, you're gonna, I'm going to relieve some stress for you in just a second, okay, here, let me just tell you right away, okay, I realize that the talent that we're talking about in Matthew is not what you and I think of when we think of talent, okay, just, I get that, a talent that he's referring to was about money, Benjamin's, money, 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 right, moolah, all that stuff. And do you know that a talent was, it was 20 years worth of wages. One talent, 20 years worth of wages. That's a lot of scratch, y'all, 20 years. But even though Jesus is talking about money, I do believe that there's a deeper thing at play here, and it's called stewardship. It's about what you do and I do with what God has given you. And yes, God does want us to be generous with our money that he has given us, 100%. He wants us to give into the work of the Lord first before we do anything else, give to the church that he's blessed us with. But that too, even that discussion is about stewardship, about what God has given us. So you see, this master gave these talents to steward, to these men, to steward while he was gone. And, And here's what they did with them, okay? Here's what they did. Jump back into verse 16, it says, He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Three guys, two different approaches to what we're given. The first two guys got their money, doubled it, and and, and, and doubled the money that they were given. The second guy dug a hole, put it in there, flattened it out, tapped it down, and then washed his hands of it. Two approaches, three different guys. What's it say here? It says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So the master comes back from his trip and he approaches the men to settle the accounts with them. You know, after a little bit of small talk, you know, they're like, hey, how are you doing? Oh, it was good. How was your trip? That was great. Let's talk about the money. Right, that's what he kind of gets down to. But let's remember this. It wasn't their money. It was their master's money. He had given them something they couldn't get on their own to manage while he was gone. And now he wanted to see, what did you do with what I gave you? That's what the master wanted to know. But I want you to notice two small words that are really important that you might have missed if you rushed past them too much. It's this. He says, now after a long time. Wasn't a quick trip. He was gone for a long time, which meant they had a long time to do something with what he had just given them. So here's how each of them reported back to the master of what they had done. Let's listen. It says, And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master." And he also, who had the two talents, came forward, saying, Master, you deliver me two talents. Here I've made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Two men step up to the mic, and they say, Hey, listen, double the amount of money that you gave me. It's what I did for you. I doubled it. They had taken the gifts and leveraged what they could for the benefit of who? The master, they leverage it for him. So you get a sense that they understand who the master was. They knew that because he had trusted them with this, that there was a sense of responsibility to do something with what they were given. So they did it. This is why the master blesses them. 
blesses their faith, their faithfulness, and gives them even more opportunity to do more. But then steps up the guy that had one talent. He was given the least of all the men, and the master wanted to see, hey, what did you do with what I gave you? Listen to what he says. He also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seeds. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, here, you have what is yours. The man did nothing with what he was given. He chose to sit on it and do nothing until the master came back. And I think he did it for two reasons. One, he figured, if I don't risk it, at least I won't lose the biscuit. That's what he said. You don't risk it, you don't lose the biscuit. You know, that's it. And here's the second reason. He was lazy. He was lazy. He didn't want to put in the effort that it actually took to be able to do something with what the master had given him. And so he looked at it. Listen to me. He saw his talent as a burden, not a blessing. And what was so sad, though, so sad about this is that he has said such a skewed version of the master. The other two men, we just read about it. They knew that the master was someone that wanted them to do something with what they had been given. And this man saw the master differently. Remember, he saw the master as a hard man. He's a hard man. And so he did nothing with it. He was fearful of him. And as a result, the master, after hearing all of this, was less than pleased. Now, I want to prepare you what I'm about to read. It's going to get a little intense, but it shows the passion of how much the master wanted this man to do something with this opportunity, with this talent that he had given him. Listen to how this section ends. It says, but his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I had scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was mine own with interest. So take the talent from him, give it to him who has 10 talents for to everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance but from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant in the outer darkness in that place where there will be weeping, gnashing of teeth. Now, I know you read that and you're like, whoo, yikes, man. Imagine if he would have lost that thing. A guy would have lost his mind, you know? I mean, no wonder he sat on that talent. I didn't want that guy to get that mad at me. Like, I, I get it, but, but I think what's important Important for us to see is that the master was expecting them to use this opportunity they were given, and by not using it, you were insulting the master. He would rather have them at least try than sit and do nothing at all. So here's, you are a smart, smart group of people, and you online are really smart too. Like, I'm sure that you can see where these dots are being connected, but I want to bring us all back together. So we're all on the same page, and so it's this. How is it possible that knowing that the master, God, has given us abilities to use for his glory, to expand the kingdom of God, to be part of something bigger than ourselves, why then do we still hide our talents instead of using them? So why would we not want to use the gifts God has given us? 
Well, I, I think there's really a couple of reasons, really three reasons. The first two, I think, are very similar to that guy with one talent. The first thing is, we don't want to risk it. We don't want to risk more time. We don't want to risk having to do more. We don't want to risk any of it. And then there's some, there's a small percentage, and I'll just be honest, it's not everybody. Some of you are lazy. It's too much. You look at it as a burden instead of a blessing. You'll bury that talent instead of use it because you're just lazy. That's just honest. But I, I do think there's one more reason. Let me explain it this way. Um, <clears throat> if you've ever, and I think maybe a lot of you have done this in some form or fashion, maybe you tried out for a team or you tried out for student council or you were trying to get in that play or whatever it might be, there's this, there's this time where you try out for something and, 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 and it's a really taxing experience anytime that you want to try out for something. It doesn't matter what sport it is or anything like that. There's a moment where you put yourself out there to be evaluated, right? You, you, you probably remember this. To be, to be judged by a coach, whether you're, you're up or you're worthy to be on the team or make the, make the play or what, whatever it is. But, but, but there's, there's this time where you put yourself out there. And after like a couple of days, I remember like after a couple of days of trying out, what happens at the end of the tryouts? You, you wait, you wait, and you wait until they put up what's called the cut list. Now, now, the cut list is this daunting piece of eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that holds your athletic future for the upcoming season on it. So, so a coach or a, like a grad assistant or like a coach they don't like, you know, that they'll, they'll, they'll make them put it up on the fence or uh, stick it up on the board, and then what do they do? Those guys, they run for their life after they put it up. Because then there's a stampede of anxiously awaiting athletes that have been hovering around waiting for this piece of paper to come up. And they run up and they put their finger next to it and they look to see if their name, and if they found their name, if you did, you made the cut. And when you figure out you made the cut and you see that your name, you freak out in relief. You're like, oh, yes, right, right. And you text mom right away. I don't know, mom always gets it first. You text mom right away. You start thinking about the upcoming season, all the new gear that you're going to get, get the, the first, uh, the first uh, competition that you're going to have. But then when, when, you, when, you don't, when you don't see your name on there, two things happen. Number one, you cry. You cry your eyes out. Everybody does it. You know, we all, we all do it. And then, then the second thing is kind of a complicated one. It's a twofold. You go back up and you see if you screwed up and you missed. Like maybe your name was up there, but through the cheers you can see it. Right? You know, you do that. But then the other thing you do when you realize that you didn't make it, you start looking at all the other people that did make it who you think that you're better than so you can justify to your buddies in the locker room and your parents when you get home, okay? That's just what you do. That, this is what happens. So here's what this is all about. Here's what this is all about. Deep down, we believe that God is a cut list. We, we, we want to think that God has created some people to make it and some people not to make it. And if we're not on the list, then we're off the hook. We're, we're, good. We, we're not good enough to be used by him, so we'll just kind of live our life for a while, and then we'll die, and we'll be good. But, but check this out. Here's the deal. Were you and I able to run up to the locker room of heaven and, 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 and look at the cut sheet that God has just put out? Do you want to know what you would see? Here's what you would see. You would realize that everybody has made the cut, right? Everybody makes it. You're all in, okay? So if you got cut from kickball when you're in fourth grade and you still have PTSD about it, welcome to the team. You're on, okay? You did it, okay? We are all called by God to do something. 
by his strength and for those that he loves. Y'all made it. The best part is too is that everything counts. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too insignificant. Nothing is too unusable by God. Like he can use it all. So this means that we all made the cut. The question is, what will you do with it? Will you make excuse after excuse after excuse that I don't have enough time, I don't have enough skill, I don't have a whatever, right? Or will you get off the bench, call a time in and get in the game? Get in there. Guys, the world is full of people that sit on the bench and they gripe and they complain throughout their entire life. But the church should not be that place. The church should be so full of people who are chomping at the bit to be able to serve that there is a waiting list to be on a team. That's what should happen. And, and you know what? Let me take it one step further, okay? One step further. There should never be a reason that the church should have to ask people to step up and serve. Never! Because if you and I are really following Jesus, we should see that serving is an honor. It, it draws us closer to Jesus. It's the greatest thing you can ever do with your life. I mean, what other area in your life will let you be a part of changing someone's eternity by, by leading them to discover Jesus and follow him fully? Where else can you do that? Every other memory of things that you'll create are going to fade, but the experience that you have serving and using your gifts are eternal. They'll be with you forever. And, and at what cost, people think? An hour? 90 minutes a week out of your 10,080 hours you have in one week? That is 0.9% of your week. I had a math guy just double-check that for me, right? Point, <laughs> right, 0.9%. But 0.9% of your week could make 100% difference in the eternity of someone. If you can wrap your heart and your mind around the eternity-shaking sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross, we would see that's an amazing trade-off. 0.9 for 100% of our sins? So here's the question we all need to ask ourselves. It's this. What will you do with the talents God has given you? What are you going to do? Where are you going to unbury some talents and start using them for how God designed them to be used? Where are you going to trust God and his strength in your life to do something huge for him? Well, we want to help you. And I want you to step up and do something. So here's what I want you to do today. Get your phones out. Stop playing Candy Crush. And like, look, get your phones out with me. Get them out. I'm not joking. Get y'all's phones out right now. <laughs> Online too. You figure it out. Get your phones out. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to scan this QR code right next to me, okay? And what you're going to do there is you're going to get a list of the tag teams that you can get plugged into today. Today. I'm not messing. Take a picture of that QR code right now. And you, listen, make a difference in the lives of the next generation, maybe. Maybe volunteer in the kids, in the students, in the young adults. Maybe you need to connect with some people online during the weekend or during the week service. I'm talking to you on the couch right now, eating your waffle with your Nutella. I see you. I see you right now. Put the waffle down. Get your phone out. Take a picture right now, right? Maybe you can help. You can be an online chat host. Maybe you like to be behind the scenes, though. Maybe you'd like to help make the weekend happen and, and everything from lights and cameras and slides and pulling out tables. I mean, everything counts. So our tag teams together advancing the gospel, those teams, 
We want to make sure that we're connecting with you. And if you're like, I'm not sure which is, there's one where this is kind of a, like a catch-all. You just click on that. You'll send that form in. We're going to help you. We're going to help you take your next step. But I cannot wait to get you in community, hanging out with our tag teams, using your gifts for God's glory. We cannot wait to connect you with one of our teams. That's what I want for you. That's what I want for you. But as I close this, I can't help but think of a story that I just heard about, well, actually, I experienced last weekend. Um, now, how many people have heard of Dude Perfect before? Anybody raise your hand? Dude Perfect. I, I see that hand, right? Okay, so Dude Perfect, these are some crazy dudes. Like, so they're, in essence, what they do is just make crazy shots. Like, they'll, they'll throw things off of buildings. They're like, you know, they do crazy things. Like, it's all about trick shots. It's, it's all they do. Uh, and so um, uh, they, they, they are, like, I think 50 billion followers or 50 million followers or something like that. They have, like, 7 quadrillion views on, on YouTube. It's just nuts. Like, they are... They're crazy wealthy, crazy successful, but they took this crazy show that they did, they did it on the road, and it's called the Dude Perfect Live Experience. And so my son and I, I got, we got it for him back in his birthday, but he and I went to the Dude Perfect Experience in Minneapolis, Minnesota, okay? There were, check this, now listen, 13,000 people at this event, okay? 13,000 people that were there to see guys shoot baskets and, and, and like eat weird stuff and like crazy stuff, Okay? At one point, they were in the crowd shooting bow and arrows at a gong 75 feet above the stage. I mean, we're talking nuts, okay? 13,000 people were there. And, and then the whole thing was just around these guys. And at the end of it, after two hours, two hours, at the end of it, they walk up to the front of the stage, all five of them, getting ready to close out the service, or the, uh, the, the, the day. And, and, and Tyler, the, the, the guy that's kind of in the middle, the bearded guy, he, he stands up and he says, hey, listen, if you've been following um, our, our YouTube channel for long, you probably know that our faith is really important to all five of us. And so at the end, we're gonna sign this thing off and I'm gonna give you a couple minutes, but I'd love for you to stick around. I got a story I wanna tell you right after the end of this. And so he, they, they sign it off. The way they sign it off is pound it, noggin, see you later. That's what they do. Lights go out, those five guys take off. Come back out. Tyler stands up in front of 13,000 people. He tells a story about how there was this little girl that had reached out to them and she was in a children's hospital. Said that her whole goal, one of her biggest wishes before she dies is to be able to talk with Tyler. So Tyler, they do it all the time, but Tyler said, you bet, got on FaceTime, talked with her. Little girl passed away a couple days later, just like they had said. And Tyler said in that moment, he realized something. He realized something, that there is something bigger than just making baskets and throwing footballs he says, there's something bigger at play. He says, the bigger thing, the bigger thing is that people need to know who Jesus is. So for the next three or four minutes, in front of 13,000 people, not advertised as a Christian event at all, for the next five minutes, he shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with 13,000 people. Why? Because he used the talent God had given him of making goofy videos, and he used it for his glory. He says, if I get a chance to tell you anything, it's not about how many number of people viewed our videos, it's about Jesus because that's what really matters. And I was sitting in the back just, just weeping because I just love to see people that say, God, this is what you've given me. And instead of giving it and leveraging for myself, he just says, I'm just gonna use it for you. Guys, they make videos of shooting baskets behind their head, but yet, they just told 13,000 people plus about Jesus. He used his talents, what God has given for his glory.
friends, what could you do with your talent? What could you do? Who could you impact? What young life could you impact? What could you do if you actually unburied what God had given you and used it? I want to be very, I want to be very clear with you. I don't want anything from you. I want everything for you. This is not about filling our rosters to make sure everything. This is about you connecting with Jesus in a way that you actually start to have your heart beat like his. So my hope and my prayer is that as you sign in for a tag team, as you get involved, that you would realize that it's bigger than just the what. There's a bigger why that's there. And the why is, is this world needs Jesus. Jesus died on a cross for our sins and people will come through these doors, they will go into classrooms, they will be in a different world, different things that we do and they need people there to show them the love of Christ, not in a perfect way, but in a way that's authentic and real. It just says, here I am, use me. It's my prayer for you. Pray that you'll lean in, you'll trust him. You'll answer the question, what are you gonna do with the talents God has given you? Think about that as we stand and we pray today. Father God, I thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your word. I pray God now as we leave here that we would do something with what we've heard. That each and every week when I say tag you're it, it is a, it is a rally cry to go into this world and do something. So before we log off, before we walk out, Father, I just pray that this last moment we would just say, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for seeing something in us. Thank you for giving us abilities that we could never have thought ourselves, but now we can use for you. And may our lives reflect that in all that we do. Help us answer the question, what will we do with the talents that were given us by you, Jesus? Help us to do that and make a difference in this world. We love you. We thank you. And it's all in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week on the Crossroads Grace podcast. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us and subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening from. If you are interested in getting involved in our community or want to find out more information, visit us online at crossroadsgrace.org. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Grace podcast.